Uh, I do want to talk about the topic of building your altar because, and I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you, you can turn it there. Um, but let me just paint the, the picture for you. Let me paint the scenario, what's happening. In Exodus chapter 20, a chapter before that, we see now Moses has, has received the Ten Commandments. Moses is coming down from the mountain. And now, uh, whenever we see occurrences of altars being built, there's something supernatural that's happening. And here in Exodus 20, and I'll just start with verse 22, the Lord is now dialoguing with Moses here. And I'm just, I'm just going to read Exodus 20, verse 22 to 24. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourself that I have talked with you from heaven. Now, isn't that great? First, right, just right there, God is just talking to you from heaven. And God is still communicating to you from heaven. Verse 23, You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourself gods of gold, an altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place. And here's the verse that I want you to highlight. If you can write in your Bibles, if you can highlight this, this is the verse that I want to home in on. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. So here is the question. Now I'm talking to prayer warriors here. You guys are in the thick of it. You guys are saying, I am willing to pray and intercede. But here's the question that I want to pose to you today is what kind of altars are we building to be remembered by? Okay. What kind of altars are we constructing in front of people? What kind of altars are we constructing in front of God to be remembered by? So let me just give you some understanding when we're talking about altars, because there's a lot of uh, differences when we're speaking about altars. But when you look at the Hebrew meaning of the word altar, the original root word occurs over 400 times there. So the altars to God was an important factor in the Old Testament. And when you always look at that word 400 times, it's always associated with the idea of to slaughter, right? So when you look at scripture, we find that the very first altar was erected by Noah, right? We see that in Genesis 8.20. We also see Abraham constructing an altar, Genesis 12.7. We see Isaac in Genesis 26. You don't have to write these scriptures down. I'm just giving you some context, okay? Uh, Jacob, we see constructed an altar. We see Moses in Joshua. We even see Gideon in Judges 21. We see uh, Samuel. We see David. All right, and there's also an unnamed Israelite that actually also constructed. So we see all the patriarchs, we see all the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 constructing an altar before God. Now, they were these altars, 
They were made specifically. There were only four kinds of material that was actually used. There was wood, there was natural stone, uh, there was metal, and there was brick, right? And every purpose of this was to sacrifice. But when I read that, what's interesting to note is that when the altars were constructed specifically into locations, right, according to their, their geographical location, they were always constructed in clearly visible areas for everyone to witness. Okay? So I, I want to pause there right now because sometimes we may create altars that are hidden in our lives. We may create altars that are not visible for other people when we are supposed to be what? The salt and the light of the world. But there are times where we construct altars of self, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because you guys are prayer warriors here. I'm talking to prayer warriors. I'm talking to dedicated believers. But the reality is if you're not putting your altar into a place of visibility, you're really doing it for yourself. No. You're really doing it for your pride. You're really doing it for um, the glorification of yourself because an altar is supposed to be visible. An altar is supposed to be demonstrated and shown to the world. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about specifically what the altars are, but that's the, that, that's the construction of it. But let me talk to you about the function of the, of the altar. Because the function of the altar was not only to make a sacrifice. So I want to get that clear. It wasn't always to make a sacrifice. But the altar was a place where the divine and the human worlds interconnected and they collided with each other. Okay? It, it, it was the bridge between heaven and earth. Okay? The altar is a place of exchange. The altar is a place of exchange and is communication with God. Okay? Better yet, let me just say this. Altars did not establish your relationship with God. But the altars was actually constructed as a reaction to good news. That's why altars were constructed. Now, Pastor Eddie, what do you mean by that? Right? So, well, what's good news? Gospel. That's what the good news is, right? The good news is the gospel. So let me give you an example. So Noah's altar was the first one that was actually recorded in scripture, right? We read that. And, and it was built as a reaction to God's saving his family, right? Saving him from the flood. So what did Noah do? This Noah's altar was his amen to God revealing himself. Okay? That's what that means. It was for God revealing himself. It was good news. So let me tell you something. Every time you construct, uh, in history, redemptive history, every time an altar was constructed is because something good happened. There was good news of an event. There was good news of God's saving grace. So here's, I want to pose to you all. We need to establish the fact that the altars that we built that are visible for people are first constructed under the, the, the good news of the gospel. You see, sometimes we're constructing altars with alter egos. 
Sometimes we're constructing altars where we just want our fix, our fixation, our desires, right? We're just we're not constructing altars that reveal the goodness of God, but reveal the goodness for myself. But that's not the purpose of an altar. The purpose of an altar, every time, historically, it was constructed with the consensus to say, God, you did something so good here that I want to remember it. You did something so, um, uh, you saved me from something so horrible that I remember it. And I want to stop right now because maybe, and I want you to picture something right now, each and every one of you. Maybe you could write it down. Maybe you could think about it. But I want you to think about a time where you remember the good news that came to you. The good news of either God saving you from something. We just heard the good news of Chris Olsen getting free from cancer. Come on. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's a declaration of the miraculous and what God is doing. But I want you to picture that in your mind. And some of you may be saying, maybe, well, Pastor Eddie, maybe I don't have that in my mind. Or maybe it's hard to think about. I just want you to know that I want you to dig deep and say, just you being here right now, listening to the sound of my voice is good news alone. Is good news alone that you're here by the grace of God. Is good news alone that God has you for such a season and a time like this. It's good news alone that we're here together to pray as an army for what is to come. You see, people want revival. People want the miraculous, but they don't want to get on their knees in order to pray it through. They want the good news without the good works. And it doesn't work out like that. So, in the book of Leviticus, we see that God lights the altar. God lights the altar. And how this happens is this happens through proper sacrifice that was authorized by God. But what happens in Leviticus 10? You don't have to turn to it, but what happens is in Leviticus 10 is Aaron's sons. Now they present a an offering of, of strange fire to God. And then God ends up killing them. Why? Why was God so harsh? Why was God so harsh at that moment? Well, we first need to see, number one, how the altars are, how they work. Because since God was representing as the fire in the Old Testament, right? We, every time you see fire, you see the pillar of fire, right? During the time uh, that the Israelites are are leaving the exile of Egypt and God comes as a pillar of fire. Every time you see fire, that is a representation of God in the Old Testament. And But here, God lights the altar, right? And what the Hebrew law, when you look at it, it actually forbid that the fire should never go out. The fire should never go out. Under the Hebrew law, the fire should never go out. They were giving... And they were giving unauthorized fire that tried to quench God. See, we don't look at it like that. Oh, God, why were you so harsh? Because they were trying to snuff out the very presence of God. They were try And sometimes we in our lives, we try to snuff out God through unauthorized means. Now, what do I mean by that? 
I mean, I'm talking about doing things that is contradictory to your calling. I'm talking about running away from your calling. I'm talking about character flaws inside of you that are causing more harm to others. I'm talking about walking in a realm of pride. I'm talking about not being able to die to self. I'm talking about these things that snuff out the very presence of God. Because when people are looking at altars, they want to see the fire. I want to look at each and every one of you that is here represented today and say that the fire of God is ignited inside each and every one of you. And you will not snuff it out. You will not snuff it out by by sinning habitually. You will not snuff it out by saying, I can't do it. Some of you are saying right now, I can't do it, God. The purpose is too high. The calling is too high. I just don't have it in me. Can I just tell you that when you when I when you when I read all those names of the people that constructed altars, they felt the same way like you? They felt the very same way. Look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, a deceiver, Abraham, right? The father of the faith. But we see all these, Moses was a murderer. You see all of these patriarchs, they still could not, um, they were trying in, in such a way to walk in the fire of God. But they needed to construct altars to be reminded that God is still here. God is still working in and through me. And sometimes we need that. So um, I want to give you guys, before we kind of like wrap this up, I know I said 15 minutes. Uh, I want to give you <laughs> three ways that you should build your altar so that others can remember. Can I give you that? I want to give you three quick ways that you should build your altar so that others can remember. Can remember who God is. Number one is that your altar must be sacrificial. Your altar must be sacrificial. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, I said again, the meaning of altar was what? To slaughter, right? So what are we slaughtering in our sense? We're not slaughtering cattle, right? You don't come to V1 and you see Pastor Mike with a lamb and a knife in his hand, and he's about to cut the lamb's throat. No, we don't do that anymore. So what are we slaughtering here? We are slaughtering our sins before a holy God, right? Our sins, it's a aroma of the stench of our sinful condition to encounter the essence of God. That's what we're slaughtering. We're slaughtering ourself. We're slaughtering our pride. So as the animals were were laid there for the sacrifice, so each and every one of us, we lay our selfish ambitions before God. Before God, we lay our vision. Because it's not my vision. It's our vision. It's God's vision. So I lay that before the altar. I lay my ambitions 
before the altar. I laid my pride and my laziness before the altar. Come on, I feel somebody getting free from these words that are being extracted here today. Uh, 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 And you fill in the blank. I want you to fill in the blank. Whatever it is, I sacrifice and I lay it before you sacrificially because when I lay it before you, it becomes consumed by God in holy fire and then it becomes purified. And some of us, we're carrying visions that we have no business carrying. We're walking in different realms of faith when God is saying, right, you should be going this way. Why are you going that way? Sacrifice the wrong motives to God. Sacrifice the pride, the laziness. Sacrifice yourself and you will see that God will purify you uh, 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 under the fire of who he is so that you can build the altar that he requires. So here's the second one. Your altar must be sacred. Your altar must be sacred. So the first one, you must be sacrificial, but the second one, your altar must be sacred because there are too many altars that are being built with strange fire. Hello? Too many altars are being built with strange fire. Too many altars are being filled with pride. Too many altars are being filled with manipulation. Example, Aaron's sons. They tried to manipulate the very presence of God, right? But we must move from the profane to the sacred, okay? So when we built an altar before God, What we're actually doing is we're sealing a contract that our bodies will be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're making this covenantal agreement right before the altar. And we're saying, I don't want to live in the secularism. I want to live in the realm of the sacred. Right, And even we even see in scripture, Jesus actually mentions the sacredness of the altar in Matthew 23, 19. And I'm just going to read that for you right here. Matthew 23, 19 says, uh, he says, You blind men, for which is greater, the gift of the altar that makes the gift sacred. You see, so many times we, we are focusing on the gift rather than the giver. Right, So what we should be doing is creating these altars that are sacred before God. And it's not your gifts that make, let me just put it this way. I don't care how well you pray. I know that may sound harsh. Those in V1 College know this is, I'm sorry, this is the way I talk. I'm working through it. <laughs> like I'm working on my tone. I'm from New York, Brooklyn. So you got to excuse me. Um, <laughs> but... Your gift doesn't make the altar sacred. I just want to just put that out there because your gift is not given for you. Your gift is given for the benefits of others. I actually did a uh, V1 College lecture on spiritual gifts where I talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. And there I say Paul actually says that nobody is left giftless. But if love... If love is not a component of your gift, you're just making some noise when you're out there. 
If love is not a component of your sacrifice, all it is is just a sacrifice. If love is not a component of you moving in the realm of sacred, all you're doing is becoming a Pharisee. All you're doing is is trying to live in holiness when in reality you're just full of being a Pharisee. So that's the second one. And the third one is that your altar must be saving. I'm going to explain what that means. So your altar must be sacred, sacrificial. Your altar must be sacred. And the third one is your altar must be saving. What do I mean by that? So if the altar that you all hear today present to people, if it doesn't lead to a transformed life, then it's not good news, it's just good advice. Do I got to say that again? I think some of y'all need to hear that again. If, if the altar that we are presenting to people, we're, we're, we're showing them this altar before us, our character, everything that exemplifies who we are, be imitators of God. If we're demonstrating to people our altar, but it doesn't lead to a transformed life, it's not good news, it's just good advice. Because good advice is going to die under the fire of the Holy Spirit. But good news that is gospel, good news that is given, is going to result in a life that is transformed into who God wants them to become. Because good news is gospel, right? Good news is gospel. It's And gospel, when it's gospel-oriented, it brings new life. You know, the Bible talks about, um, uh, in Hebrews 13.10, about an altar. And I believe that the ultimate altar is the cross. The ultimate altar is the cross. Hebrews 13, 10 actually says, um, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. We have no right to eat. Why? Because we couldn't bear that cross. We have no right to eat because it was the Son of God that had to come down incarnate, both fully God and fully man. So what happens to the cross now? This device that was considered a curse, but it took a curse so that we can understand our spiritual condition. The cross becomes the sanctuary for those who believe on it. That's where now your altar becomes saving to somebody because it's not about you. It's not about how many degrees you have on the wall, not how many master's degrees. It doesn't matter how well you can articulate. It's the cross becomes the saving method, the mode of salvation for those who believe on it. And it saves people from, their, from themselves. So, altars have a price. I want to say that. Altars have a price. The altar that Jesus laid for us, the price was to die for us, right? That was the price that was paid. Altars have a price, but God intends that something needs to be altered in us when we come to altars. Did you catch that? Some of you, maybe you missed that. 
But I'm going to say that again because you need to really, really catch that. God now intends, now that you are in this prayer, I'm, I'm talking to prayer warriors here, so I got I to gotta speak like a general. That's what Pastor Mike said. He commissioned me to speak like a general, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to give you no fluff. <laughs> altars, they have this, there's a price tag on altars. But what God intends is that, Something in us needs to be altered, needs to be shifted, needs to be changed in us so that we can come now to the altar. So the building of an altar, whenever it was constructed by Israel, was in fact a form of taking possession of it. So whenever altars... (laughs) <laughs> I want to speak now prophetically if I have to right now because some of us, we're constructing altars, but we're not taking possession of the land. Some of us, we're fearful. Maybe we're like those 10 spies that, that we know the altar is beyond in, into the promised land, but we say, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. Do you see these giants? Do you see what's, what's on the other side of this? When God has already commissioned us to say, no, you take possession of it, right? And you build an altar there. And you remind the people of why and who I am, right? They don't sacrifice to the unknown God anymore. That was the inscription that was on the altar to the unknown God. We know who the God is now. So, Maybe some of you here today, and in closing, maybe some of you need to rebuild your altar today. Maybe, you, you know, you, you've lacked in, in some areas in your life. Maybe your marriage you, is not uh, the way that you want it to be. Maybe you have relationships or, or jobs that are causing a divide or division between you and your relationship with God. Maybe it's something that's holding you back. Maybe it's a thorn on your side. Maybe it's a it's an illness that, that you're facing that is causing that is causing you to doubt. Maybe it's something. But what I do know is this: all of us go through a rebuilding phase of our altars. The problem is that when we don't fess up to it. And when we don't acknowledge it, and when we don't say, oh, no, God, I'm good. I don't need to rebuild anything. I'm okay. I got it all taken care of, God. I'm living my best life. You got to see what I, look at my, have you seen my bank account, God? I'm doing the best right now. I got so many followers on Instagram and TikTok. You should see me. Everybody wants me on their podcast. But the reality becomes that we fill ourselves with these strange fires when we need to be rebuilding the altars today that fits the mode that causes people to remember God. So, but it's okay to go into this rebuilding phase. Why? Because even after the exile of Israel, even after the exile of Israel, the altar was actually the first thing to be rebuilt. It was the very first thing after this exile. So here's the question that I want to uh, conclude with. What kind of altars are we building to be remembered by? What are, let me go back to that question. What kind of altars are we constructing? What kind of altars are, of prayer are we doing? Are we faithfully... Now, 
it doesn't matter how, how long you pray. You could pray three hours and it could be uh, uh, just a noise to God. Or it could be three minutes and it could be some of the most beautiful renditions of your heart that makes a melody and comes up like an aroma and a sweet smelling fragrance before God because you gave it with all your heart. We put timelines and timestamps on things when God is just saying, I just want you to just rebuild. (laughs) I just want you to just rebuild. I just want you to construct an altar with the proper material that I've given you And right now, for each and every one of you, that material is prayer. That material may be a gift of deliverance. That material may be uh, uh, the gift of a prophecy or words of knowledge or words of wisdom. But it is more than the material. I want to understand that. Your altar is more than the material. Because it could be, you could use the right material but still be invisible to people. But when you use the right material under the holiness of God and you construct it in such a way that is visible for people to say, hey, come here, talk to me. You know, this past Sunday, and I'll conclude with this, I had a great conversation with a scientist, full-blown, full-blown marine biologist, struggling in his faith. uh, Went, has been all around the world, been to the Galapagos Islands, uh, scuba diving. I mean, this guy literally has been all over the place. And um, uh, I guess he hit up Pastor Julie and Pastor Julie was like, you know what, Pastor Eddie would be a good person to talk to. So I said, listen, game on. I love talking to scientists. So so I have this conversation with him. And, and I think this is going to make sense here. And we're talking about everything and and we're talking about like a scientific method of things and, and all the arguments for the existence of God because at the end of the day, that was his dilemma. How can you explain the existence of God? How can you explain the existence of God? And I pose that question to you right now. You know how you explain the, the existence of God? Where's your altar? Woo! Where is your altar? Altars were places to remember who God was. Altars, when when Joshua placed 12 stones after he crossed the Red Sea, it it was a memorial to remember what God supernaturally did at that moment to save the Israelites from the Egyptians. And I said to the scientists, I said to him, in order for you to get to the point of the supernatural, you have to contend with the natural, but know that God is in control of the natural in order to get you into the supernatural. Because right now, you can't even get to the supernatural because you're so fixated on the natural. You don't understand that my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You don't understand that... There, the only explanation for the existence of God is that he was and he was always there since the beginning. From one little molecule to the galaxies in the world, he was always there. And at, a, at the end of our conversation, he had hope. He had hope. He said, you know what, Pastor Eddie, thank you so much for explaining it and talking to me uh, like that because I never uh, understood the existence of God in such a way before. And I say that all that to say, 
I had to construct an altar right there before him. I had to present myself before him. I had to make myself visible before him. I had to construct an altar that wasn't under strange fire, that died to myself, that was sacrificial, that say, God, I'm going to take an hour of my time. And I literally, before the service started, I took an hour with him. And I said, I'm going to sacrifice my time so I could talk with him. And then I had to make the moment sacred. I had to allow the Holy Spirit at that moment to do its work, not me thinking of uh, assumptions and presuppositions in my mind and convincing arguments to talk to him and try to convince him by reason to say, no, you got to believe in the God because logically that's the only way. No, I loved him. I loved him to the point that I, I could tell him, hey, listen, I understand because I've been there. I was an atheist before. And guess what? I had to construct the altar that allowed for him to be saved because I presented the gospel to him. He didn't know it. It was a a sneak move, but I presented the gospel to him. When I said to him, you know, when you look at creation, it's all throughout the Bible. When you look at Psalms, it says the earth was round. When you look at Psalms, it just talks about the beauty and the majesty of nature. When you look at all Redemptive history, you see God is a part of his creation and he created everything good. So, in closing again, I say to you, what altars are you building? And how is the name of the Lord being remembered in how you present the altar to other people? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Help us, God, to build these altars. Help us, O oh Lord, as his prayer team, God, to, to build these altars, to erect and construct them according to your will. Not according to, O oh God, what we think is the best approach. Not according to even traditionalism. Not according to experience. But according to your will. God, remove all the unstrange fire that has tried to consume the altars of our lives. The unstrange things in, in our hearts, oh God, that have been consuming us day in and day out. Our, our, our character flaws, God, when, when people come to us and, and we dismiss them. When, when pride comes at the moment where, when selfishness comes in, God, help us to be reminded to be leaders that lead out of love. It's love in action. And God, I just pray that the altars that we built are sacrificial. And we die to self and we live for Christ. Help us to construct altars that are sacred before you, O God. Help us to to understand, God, that it is the good news, that it's the reason for the hope that is inside of us, that these altars can even exist in the first place. And God, thank you that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for this prayer team, that we may be a team that prays together, that we may be a team that grows together, that we may be a team, O oh God, that intercedes for one another. A team and a family, O oh God, that you have called us to pray without ceasing. To never stop. 
but to pray always with our heart. And I thank you, O God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.